Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Here I am. Consequence Podcast Network. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network Thanks as always for making your way here and checking out the series Uh, Please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with uh, all the interviews that I put out Uh, Three brand new interviews every single week So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists And discover some new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, Audible, Red Circle, or YouTube for the video versions. Anywhere you get your podcast from, subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And that's me, I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I get to talk with Pink Floyd's Nick Mason. We're going to be hearing about his latest tour with Saucer Full of Secrets. That's the uh, the all-star band that brings uh, the Floyd's pre-Dark Side catalog back to life. Uh, and let's see, Nick and I are going to discuss how the songs have changed over the years, how the legendary band went against the R&B trends during their uh, 60s startup, hearing David Bowie cover See Emily Play for his pinups record, uh, and misremembering one of his own influences of Chico Hamilton. Uh, Nick's also going to dig into the transitional moments of uh, the album's Adam Hart Mother and Metal, uh, talk about the band's reputation for arguments and what it's like being the middleman between Roger Waters and David Gilmore. We also get to hear about recently creating a new Pink Floyd song and if he foresees uh, any more from that partnership, as well as the story behind the uh, just released Animals 2018 remix. So let's get into it. We're talking Saucer Full of Secrets and the Echoes Tour. It's Kyle Meredith with Nick Mason of Pink Floyd. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You're, uh, let's see, Saucer Full of Secrets, back on tour once again. You got the Echoes Tour. Uh, what round is this for you guys? 
Well, it's it's actually the continuation of the, something that we've been waiting two years to get back on on the road. Uh, you know, we we finished up in I guess it was sort of 2019 or something, expecting to be out out again shortly, and it's taken, as I say, at least two years to get back. And um, and now, of course, we're hopelessly overexcited at the prospect of playing again. <laughs> so when when you launched this this project, and for people that you know are still learning what this is. I mean, this is you and and some great performers, some all-star performers doing the earlier uh, pre-Dark Side catalog of Pink Floyd. When when you launched this, did you think of this as an ongoing thing? Was it sort of meant to be a one-off tour and now it's taken longer? I mean, what was your concept? Uh, well, I think you always go into these things hoping that they might become longer-term concepts. But I think we... Uh, felt we need to be pretty realistic about it. And so we, we sort of put toes in the water, you could say, um, rather gently to, to sort of see how it went. But I think from the really once we'd started playing together and, and sort of worked out really a, a way of doing things, uh, I'd, we enjoyed it so much. It was obvious we were going to try and make it work at whatever level. I enjoyed the uh, the live album that you all already put out a couple of years ago on this. I mean, hearing the way that you do these and, and really sort of resurrecting these songs for a lot of us fans. Do you find that your relationship to these older songs have, have changed or, or carried on in a different way uh, as you've gotten reacquainted with them? Well, I think the, the thing that uh, has surprised me is when you start dismantling or sort of looking at the songs properly with the idea of, uh, of playing them, um, how different they are to how I remembered them originally. Uh, they are more complex, in fact, than, than I'd thought, which was quite tiring for me because I meant I actually had to learn them rather than just go to my memory bank. My memory bank was clearly empty. And so it was sort of restarting a bit. But I have to say, I've enjoyed the whole thing from, you know, from the rehearsals all the way through to, to the uh, recording. Well, they are such unique songs i mean the, the compositions uh as, as they are i mean when, when i look back it's before my time but um i mean it seemed like so many bands were pulling from the blues as a, a typical reference point and I, I never got that from you all like what were you pulling from because because in this in that instance you were also creating something which is you know not an easy feat i mean few artists are able to really do that yeah i I really can't explain it properly. The point you make about the blues is interesting because at the time, everyone, including us, wanted to be an R&B band. And uh, I think there was the point at which it became clear there was no room for another one. <laughs> We'd better find something else. And then we just, uh, Sid's right, you tend to be directed by the writers to some extent, because that's that's what you've got that makes you unique. Um, you really can't expect to make a career out of being the sort of fifth band to play Crossroads that, that night. Um, and I think Sid's writing was, it was so varied. That's one of the things that comes across to me now. You know, the, the, the sort of per, pastoral type uh, almost English folk song type thing. And then you'll get something a bit more to, to Lucifer Sam, a bit sort of odder. But, and then finally, of course, um, things like Interstellar Overdrive, which are completely off the wall in comparison to, to some old blues band. 
Interstellar Overdrive when I was younger. I think it was actually I heard Pearl Jam cover that as an intro before. I think I heard the original. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there have been those moments too, and and and. Uh, lately, I've gone back to uh, Bowie's pinups. I've got some Bowie over my shoulder, and hearing him do "See Emily Play," like uh, oh, yeah. you know, such a fun version. What did, did is that something like he reached out about? Do you remember when that happened? No, I don't. But um, uh, I mean, uh, I remember him. I think uh, Bowie, Bowie was influenced by Sid. You know, he he liked I think, everything Sid did. I'll tell you what I did like was um, when Bowie. Uh, played with David at the Albert Hall and did comfortably numb. Mm-hmm. thought that was absolutely fantastic. Just incredible. But you, you, you brought up uh, Lucifer Sam. And again, I was going back and listening to this live album that you all put out. And I don't know why it hadn't occurred to me, but, you know, that's you, as we're talking about these early influences and, and as you mentioned, some of the, you know, sometimes quirkier stuff, like it seems like that fits in more of like a surf psychedelic thing, almost like what the Munsters were also doing. You yeah. know, it's like that. That's what I was like. Where did that, where did that come from? Who knows? I mean, Sid's writing was quite extraordinary. And it, as I say, the subject matter just changed from the I Ching to, uh, to, you know, the, to the English, to a scarecrow, to, to bike, which is still one of the most curious songs ever, but, and absolutely unique. No, no one else goes anywhere near that. Well, what about from, from your specific end of things? I, I was listening to one of your recent interviews, and I think you guys were talking about Set the Controls for the Heart of the Sun, and you mentioned Chico Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like for your, you know, you've got a songwriter, and obviously you've got guitarists at the time, but for you, what do you remember that you were sort of bringing in? Well, the, the weirdest thing about talking about the Chico Hamilton thing is that um, it came, my interest in it, and still is, this is a complete fantasy. I thought in Jazz in the Summer's Day, Chico Hamilton played a drum solo using mallets. When when I actually watched the movie again, uh, I don't know, a year ago or something, to my astonishment, he hadn't got any mallets at all. He was playing with sticks. But I'd got this idea that that's where I came across this idea. Uh, And clearly it was just something in... um, there probably was someone else who did something with mallets. <laughs> but who it was, I've no idea. So I was heavily influenced by a complete stranger. Something, I think there's a term for that, but, uh, you know, <laughs> misremembering something and then building a history upon that, that misremembering. Right. Yeah. Well, I qualify for that, whatever it's called. <laughs> and we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. 
It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. Keep the music flowing. We'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to Kyle Meredith with Nick Mason. You know, so so you, as as we said, you know, you go from the the very beginnings of uh, of your all's catalog, and you go right up until right before. Um, but at that point, right before Dark Side, I mean, we we are hitting the metal territory right there, and and it does seem like that's the moment where you all where Pink Floyd started sounding like the bigger, you know, dark side version. When you guys were doing that, of course, now we are in the 70s. Did it feel like you had made that turning point? I mean, it started a little bit with uh, Adam Hart Mother before that, but there's something about that when you hear one of these days, when you hear Fearless, like, oh, this is a different band. This is, did it feel like that? Well, not really. What it feels like is that one's just taken, you know, you're on a road and you've taken, not a wrong turning, but you've taken a turning off. Atom Heart Mother is very much a project that actually doesn't repeat itself in later Pink Floyd, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And whereas uh, I'd agree, metal absolutely is an indicator of where we're going to go. And Echoes eventually uh, has a lot in common with... um, uh, shine on, in my thinking, anyway. Uh, and it, it's sort of interesting how these these albums, some of them are very much part of a progression, and some of them are experiments. Uh, Umaguma, you know, is an experiment that, again, is not repeated further down the line. I remember finding Umaguma for the first time, and it was so perfect because I'd found Miles Davis's Fillmore shows where it was the cut up stuff, and I'd found Sonic Youth for the first time. I mean, talk about. And I'll, I'll go ahead and use that word. Talk about a trip. <laughs> that record right there is a, it's, it's, it's something else. So, you know, so you have the two bands. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's 
I'm sure it's not fair to do the comparisons, but what are the big differences in Pink Floyd proper, where you all left off, and and your saucer full of secrets band? Well, I suppose the interesting thing about it is uh, not the differences, but the similarities. Um, For me, what what was interesting was the first night that we played as the Saucers, I think it was at Dingwalls, and um, I, I was sort of wondering what it was going to be like. And actually, it was deja vu. It was exactly, felt very similar to being with Pink Floyd in 1967, you know, with the same the same feeling, the same sort of size venue, the whole thing. I mean, you can't really compare them because one's a sort of something I did over a 50-year period. The other is something I did last week, really, uh, is is how it feels. But there's a nice element of, of almost picking up on Floyd things with the sources, in particular early Floyd, because of this business of being able to, to mess around a little bit with the, with the music and the songs and, and actually try and find new things in that, in that music that work uh, in, in a different way. I mean, I've, I love both bands. It's not that one was, uh, someone asked me whether it was sort of hard work with Pink Floyd, uh, although we were notorious for, or still are notorious for arguments, um, actually, most of it was absolutely terrific. You know, it's a wonderful way of spending your life. I mean, that must be something now you've got a band that uh, I'm, I'm assuming might not have as much drama as. Uh, <laughs> as They're the practicing. They're working themselves up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask this one for what it's worth. You know, to have been the guy who seems to sort of ride the line you know, between, between Roger and David, does it, does it feel like you're in the middle? I mean, are they, are they, are they asking about each other through you? Does that ever happen? Um, no, those, uh, I think they do. No, occasionally they'll, um, they'll mouth off about, complain about each other, but uh, basically I'm not really a mediator, I just, but I get up with, you know, um, David and I did this uh, Ukraine song a few months ago, which was a, Great thing to do. Roger came on at the Beacon Theatre three years ago, whatever. Great to do that. Uh, You know, I'm sorry I can't build the bridges for them, but um, hey, who knows? I don't think anybody's expecting that these days. But it was nice. It was so nice to see that song come out. And we're talking about Hey, Hey, Rise Up. I mean, and and completely unexpected. I, I don't think most people thought there would be anything new with the Pink Floyd name on it. I mean, what did it take to get to there, uh, to, to that song? I mean, was it just the opportunity? Yeah, I think, well, David was probably more deep, deeply involved politically than me anyway, because he actually has a Ukrainian uh, daughter-in-law. Um, but it was, uh, he did a fantastic job. I mean, technically, it was a really interesting thing to do because he had the a cappella vocal line with no track. So we had to actually construct a backing track underneath what would have been should have been an overdub, uh, which is entirely the wrong way to go about making records. But sometimes that's the way things are. But now, now that's now there's something new in the world that says Pink Floyd on it. So that's either an opportunity for more things like that, or it's this is our final statement. And would you want this as your final statement? Uh, no, I wouldn't particularly want it as a final statement. I think it was just a, a good thing to do, but I don't think it leads on to immediately putting, you know, put, put, putting Pink Floyd on the road. Um, 
and uh, certainly from my point of view, I, as I think I said earlier, I, I'm very happy doing the uh, the sources for the moment. Uh, I mean, to, frankly, to, uh, it's quite exhausting just thinking of the thought of trying to put put, old, uh, put a Pink Floyd show back back on the road. I'll tell you as a Greedy fan, I don't even need back on the road, but if it means like you guys are just creating music, I think that's what I find exciting, you know, like right. this was a moment that wasn't a tour. This was just, you know, this is something new. Like that's, I'm that kind of Greedy fan. No, well, I'm I'm not averse to, to looking at anything that comes up, you know, that anyone, that anyone wants to do, whatever it is. <laughs> I'm a bit of a tart, really. There's nothing I've turned down. <laughs> I did also see just quickly mentioning that the uh, the animals. What is it? The uh, 2018 edition remix. Like that's what's 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 the uh, story there? Because yeah, uh, well, I, I'm really pleased we're finally getting it to to come out because uh, of all the albums we've made, that one was technically the least proficient. I suppose uh, virtually everything else was done at Air or Abbey Road or whatever, and this was done in our own studio with sort of slightly cheaper recording equipment and so on and so it, it lacks the it lacks the polish perhaps of a uh, which is interesting as well because it was made during the punk era and so maybe that was part of it that there was a deliberate attempt to make it appear a little bit more sort of hard-edged and and uh, dusty um so it's actually nice to to get it out and, and clean it up really you weren't the only band that kind of uh, got influenced uh, to go down that road a little bit. Uh, it's, uh, I'm excited about this, though. I'm excited to, you know, to, to hear this version myself and and to see what you're doing again with with a with a uh, sauce full of secrets. I mean, I know you've, you know, do you find that you all want to do anything original? I mean, you've inspired Gary to put out his own solo record, you know, which was which was great to hear. Like, uh, are you guys jamming on on your own stuff in the in the background? No, we're not. We're not. Um, I think the problem is that the real joy of this whole operation was about playing live. Now, whether there's an audience for new, new songs written by this band or by Gary or whatever, I don't know. But I certainly feel that we haven't exhausted what we've started here. And I think there's more playing and there's more, uh, more thinking to be done on sources before we start looking at new music um, and whether the world has an appetite for it. That's, that's the big thing as well. You know, you can do things for fun, but at the end of the day, you've also got to have an audience to make the whole thing work. Looks like the audience is at least there right now. Well, I'll flip that question real quick then. Uh, are, are there still songs in the catalog that, uh, that you all are looking at that, that you haven't? I mean, is it, uh, has, have you hit that wall yet? You know, there's a lot of material there. I, I think, uh, people, including myself, underestimated how much material, and it's seven or eight albums worth, and it includes things like, um, which which we do with the, with the sources, uh, some of the uh, tracks from the movies, uh, the Bobby Schroeder movies, Obscured by Clouds, and more. Uh, and I, those have, I mean, they were never played really live in in the Floyd era. And, and some of them are, uh, work really well as, as live pieces. It's a great show. It seriously is a great show. And I cannot uh, recommend it enough to just everybody I talk to about what you guys are doing. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about it today. Again, this is uh, such an honor. And, uh, and uh, enjoy that tour, man. 
Thank you. No, my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Big O thanks to Nick Mason, Saucer Full of Secrets, on tour now. Thanks to you as well for checking out the episode. Uh, again, please do hit that subscribe button so you can get uh, three new interviews sent to you every single week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, Audible, Red Circle, anywhere you get your podcast from. That includes uh, YouTube for the videos. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. An hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. Again, that's Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the old social media spots. Let's see, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all three of them. The address is at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Very good. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.